Alan Weiss, The Uncomfortable Truth. This one is on Vietnam. In the, in the uh, late 60s, uh, I tried everything I could not to go to Vietnam. I was sure I would die there. And I got lucky, and at the very last instant, just before I literally had to get on the bus and go off to basic training, I was rejected by the Army. And I was convinced if I had gone to Vietnam, it would have been the end for me. Well, now I've gone to Vietnam in 2019. The war ended in 1975, about 45 years ago, making veterans in their 60s and 70s, for the most part, today, my age. Americans visit the Hanoi Hilton. Hilton. This is where American prisoners of war were held, primarily pilots who were shot down. And they visit the military museum in Hanoi, just as Japanese visit the USS Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor. We were in Vietnam for about 20 years, and the French before us. The French were there from 1887 to 1954, colonial power. In fact, when I was in school, uh, grammar school in particular, we learned about French Indochina. That's what it was called, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, uh, French Indochina. And uh, the French, of course, in, in 54, lost the Battle of Dien Bien Phu and were tossed out of the country. The Vietnam War started in about 55. Uh, so nationalism won in Vietnam, and colonialism lost, as did nation-building, our attempt to build some democracy there. Today, as in China, Vietnam is a communist-slash-capitalist country. It has a communist form of government, but its economy fo functions largely in a capitalist manner. I mean, let's face it, capitalism has won as far as economic uh, bases go. But the people in Vietnam are dour. That's how I would describe them, dour. And there are these guards at the mausoleum for Ho Chi Minh, all dressed like rear admirals in the Navy. They're there because they don't want anyone in these long lines, these queues of people who visit Ho Chi Minh's tomb, to engage in any kind of anti-government speech. They're very, very fearful of people talking about any government as opposed to the communist government. They don't like any kind of dissent, and they are paranoid about it. The stores in Vietnam, and this is not unlike Beijing, where I was about two years ago, have full employment but hardly any customers. The open markets are crowded, but they are unsanitary and often revolting. There are no restrooms in these stalls, these tiny shops people operate with meats and fishes and chickens and worms and intestinal parts, and so people relieve themselves on the street or in alleys. People are not anti-American at all. English is largely spoken. Western culture abounds, you know, in music, clothing, and so on. Our last night there at a typically Vietnamese restaurant a man was playing a Japanese, uh, excuse me, a Vietnamese stringed instrument. I think it's called the taiba, and it's almost atonal in my in my hearing. Of course, I'm not a music, you know, aficionado, but suddenly he played a tune I recognized on this Vietnamese stringed instrument, and as I began to hum it myself, he was playing. I realized the lullaby of Broadway, which is a song from the '30s in the United States. So there's no anti-Western feeling, and there's a great appreciation for tourism and Western dollars. Scooters in Vietnam are like mosquitoes. Crossing any street is an exercise in sheer terror. 
there is no rule about traffic. When there's a red light, people in the left lane will turn across the right lane of traffic next to it to turn right without regard for the red light or the traffic waiting to go forward. Scooters ride on the sidewalks at times to save time, and they will often motor against traffic going the wrong way. I've seen people on these scooters uh, looking at their iPhones as they drive, having four people on them, a father, mother, and two kids on one scooter, carrying barrels and bales and all kinds of products on the scooter. Uh, someone I know, a colleague, told me they saw a mother breastfeeding on a scooter. I saw women in high heels, uh, obviously going to work, uh, dressed up on these scooters. But it is absolute pandemonium, and nobody gives you any way. No one ever cedes uh, the right of way. You see more military, police, paramilitary, and so forth in one day than you would in a year in New York City. There are people in uniforms all over the place, and the propaganda is staggering. The French atrocities, which are true enough, are depicted in the Hanoi Hilton in the prison. But there are no Vietnamese atrocities. American POWs are shown playing basketball, playing volleyball, playing football, and receiving the best medical attention from Vietnamese doctors during the war. The hotel staff is just as likely to greet you in French as they are in English. No one discusses politics or government at all. It is not a subject to be discussed openly. The food is remarkably bland. Even with dipping sauces, the food is just not very good. Breakfast is probably the best meal. There are 23,000 dong to the dollar. 23,000 dong to the dollar. It is not uncommon to see prices in the millions and to be carrying millions in your wallet. 100,000 and 200,000 and 500,000 dong bills. Ho Chi Minh is revered in a godlike nature. About 90% of the people are not cared for properly. Communist government or not, in terms of their safety, their health care, their education, and so on. There's a narrow slice of people who do quite well, and you see the luxury cars and the high-style clothing, but most people, most people are not. As in every country I've ever visited on any continent, there is an elite with exotic cars and beautiful accessories and access to private clubs. I find this somewhat incredible in a communist land, but why should I? There are 10 million people in Hanoi alone, but the government will only recognize that there are 7 million. However, despite the fact that nationalist ardor was gained in getting independence from foreign and larger powers, where's the nationalistic ardor to change the governments that the vast majority of people have a better life? Where are the Bolivars and the Washingtons and the San Martins and the Garibaldis? The problem with Communism and fascism and socialism and collectivism in general is that it's ruled by elites nonetheless, whether oligarchies or monarchies, and the result is the same. In the name of equality, there is inequality. It's just the people at the top who do well. A luxury store with no customers and six unoccupied employees is not a luxury store. It is simply an employment excuse or mechanism to show that people are working. 
it's impossible to appreciate alternative cultures and lifestyles without being present in person, talking to people, watching, listening, smelling. This is not a place I need to return to if conditions don't change. It's a testimony to the limitations and oppression of the collectivist mentality and of an iron grip on the power of the military and police. We're not perfect in the U.S. by a long shot, but we tend to lose proportion without experiencing other ways of life. We have the wealthiest middle class in the world. We have the wealthiest poor in the world. That's why I keep traveling, to gain perspective and to appreciate my life. Too many of us haven't done that and therefore don't appreciate it. And that, my friends, is the uncomfortable truth. (laughs) 